0: Hey everybody, it's Richie, and before we start this episode of the show, we of course want to tell you about DraftKings and DraftKings.com. Use that promo code THPN to sign up as we get ever closer to the legalization of sports betting here in the state of Arizona. And right now, as we wind up the month of April, of course, basketball season is winding down. And you can get in on on playing DFS fantasy basketball and baseball and of course hockey too. You just pick your lineup, you stand under the salary cap, and you see how many how your team stacks up against the competition. Every sport, every day, easy to play. Download the DraftKings app right now and use the code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN. You get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings.
1: I'm Corey Crunchy.
0: I'm Richie Suave Flores.
1: And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie
0: Suave on the Hockey Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back in, Sporty Nation. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you are all still riding a high off of the win against the Kings, because, you know, have to take them while you can get them. But to talk about that, as much as basically anything else we feel like talking about, like we always do, with me, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing?
0: Hello, Corey. I, can I kick off the show with a rant?
1: Uh, really quickly, before you rant, uh-huh. I have a quick question. So okay. you had tweeted it out. I was, um, I was on an airplane because, uh, you know, wedding planning is apparently a really long process. Uh, as I've come to found out, come to find out, um, but and so you were, tweeting out to our wonderful and amazing followers and keeping up with the game. And I feel like I missed somewhere in all of this, this, um, what I'm guessing is Joe Rogan photo that I've seen a bunch today and I, I'm not sure what it is from. And I feel like I am never behind the curve and I, and I'm behind the curve on this and it's a little bit scaring me.
0: Okay. So I'll do my best to explain this. I need to remember which particular picture that is and what that particular screenshot I sent out was, but Cause I can't remember. Oh, okay, that's what that's from. Okay, so the UFC two sixty one was on Saturday night. Okay, there were three championship fights, and then there was another fight that involved a fighter breaking his leg on literally in the first five seconds or actually twenty seconds of the fight. No way. It was disgusting. Don't don't oh. don't go looking for it. Oh, I'm not
1: catching up on that. I am very glad that I was uh, hopping on an airplane and was not around for that shit.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was bad. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I well, only watched it live, and then they showed the replay afterwards, and I, like, I could barely watch it one time. It was the, one of the worst sports injuries I've seen ever. The only thing I could equate it to that was close to it would be Kevin Ware's injury when he was playing for the University of Louisville many years ago in the Final Four. He went up to take a shot, came down, and the leg just broke into a million pieces. That was the
1: first thought that actually came into my head when you said don't watch it. I was thinking, I go, it has to be like the basketball one. That was the one that I wish that I had never seen, but I still saw it anyways.
0: Yes, and this was very close to that, if not worse. So yeah, don't go around watching it. But that happened earlier on in the on the fight card. The particular picture I sent out though was Joe Rogan reacting to Rose Yama Yunus with a head kick knockout to win back her title in the UFC. And that's what that was. That was Joe Rogan reacting to that head kick knockout. And there were many great reactions on that night because there were three finishes in all three title fights. And all the reactions were great. But that head kick knockout from Rose Namajunas was insane. It was so good. And that was the Joe Rogan reaction to to the head kick knockout
1: damn like that was a very like this is you would have thought that he just saw jesus come down right in front of his face you know that's the type of reaction this man had that i figured it had to be something really big i would have thought more about the fact that it would be like the broken leg but maybe he was just very surprised and very impressed the other guy though I guess it couldn't have been a broken leg because the other guy next to him, who I don't know who it is, someone's gonna shit on me for that. Uh, literally, looks so enamored by it. You would have just—it's almost as if
0: you would have told him he just won something. Is it the guy on the right? Yeah, that's John Annick Yeah, he's the—he's the main like play-by-play guy.
1: Yeah, he—he he looks so delighted at the moment, whereas Joe Rogan looks absolutely either surprised or absolutely horrified
0: so yeah that happened on saturday night it was uh one of the wildest ufc cards in 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 my memory at least one of the if not one of the best ufc cards in recent memory i would say with three finishes in the three title flights but um but anyway so there you go Did that, hopefully that gave you some clarification <laughs>
1: Thank you. And, and I guess it. I'm sure most of Sporty Nation um, wasn't busy on Saturday and actually like knew what that was about. But and just in case you didn't know what that was about, now you know.
0: Yeah, there you go. We are here to entertain and inform Sporting Nation. So, um, yeah, that picture was literally went viral from the second it came out. And it was really funny. So anyway, yeah, that was uh, there's that. Um, but now I have a rant to get to here, Corey. I told you I, was, I had a rant incoming. Did not tell you what it was. All I told you was that it was just going to be non-hockey related. So I need to get this off my chest, and I'm glad I have this platform to do it. Um, Major League Baseball needs to get their heads out of their asses. Okay? Once again, they're proving that baseball is the oldest, most out-of-touch, ridiculous... Organization in the history of mankind. Let me explain why. So, in case you're out of the loop, maybe you're not a baseball fan. Last year, during when COVID shortened the Major League Baseball season to 60 games, baseball decided that in order to try and get every game in they can, in games that were canceled, originally or postponed due to COVID related issues and we saw a lot of that with the Florida Marlins. Excuse me, Miami Marlins and the and I believe the San those Cardinals too had issues. And what they did last year was in order to make it up, they would do double headers, but they were shortened both games to seven innings. So on Sunday, the Diamondbacks had one of these double headers happen. Both games were seven innings because they had a, a game in Atlanta get rained down on Saturday night. So on Sunday afternoon, they played two seven inning games, okay? These were official regulation baseball games that Major League Baseball rules said had to happen. okay? So this these weren't games that were shortened because of rain or, or, or anything else, this is Major League Baseball legit saying, hey, you got to play seven, inning double, seven innings instead of nine. And what proceeded to happen is something that just boggles my mind and is absolutely ridiculous. And in my mind, Madison Bumgarner should get credit for a no-hitter because he went seven innings, no hits, no runs, no walks with seven strikeouts. And here's the thing, Corey, I don't know if you saw it. Major League Baseball is not going to credit Madison Bumgarner with an official no-hitter. They're crediting Madison Bumgarner with a complete game shutout, but they're like, nah, that's not really a no-hitter because you really didn't do it in nine innings, so it doesn't count. Even though we were the organization that came up with the rule to make this game only seven innings. And... I, I can't believe I saw that today. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? That's a that's a no-hitter in my book, Madison Bumgarner. It was one of the best pitching performances by a Diamondbacks starting pitcher I've seen in years. And they're like, nah, didn't really happen. Even though I'm looking at the box score and there's no hits in his freaking pitching line. Like, give me a break, Major League Baseball. God, that's so stupid. Thank you for the, thank you, Corey. Please, back to you.
1: So I, I had, I had heard of this and I had actually had a discussion, um, with my fiance and his dad about this. Um, and here's my interesting point on it. So in, in a shortened season, you know, you have like a COVID say like shortened season or something, you go in the kind of like uh, a situation with, with hockey as well and everything, you have a shortened season. You, you cut to the end of the season and you win whatever trophy, whether, whether it's World Series, Stanley Cup, whatever. Are those, whoever wins that trophy after that shortened season, are they still considered the Stanley Cup winner or the World Series winner or whatever? Yes. So they didn't play a full season, yet they were still considered the winner. Right. He didn't pitch a full game, but that was what was set regulation wide that like wise, like that's what it was for that game. That was what the game is, and yet he does not get considered to have pitched that.
0: It's yeah, it's it makes me so angry. It makes no sense. It's, it doesn't it's, make
1: any sense. And also, too, a, a regulation softball game is seven innings.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in my opinion, and this is a discussion for another day, they should just stop a nine-inning Major League Baseball games altogether, cut off the eighth and ninth inning, and just make every game seven innings. It'd be very, very smart if if that was the case. But it's – it's, like, Torrey Lavello after the game today was like – I can't find the. I'm trying to find the audio real quick to play for everybody, but I, I'm uh, having trouble bringing it up super super quick. But um, Tori Lovello no. after Tori Lovello after the game was like, in my book, that's a no hitter. And if you watch yeah. the players after the game, as soon as they record the final out, they all mob the mound because they all knew it was a no hitter too. So, it's, you, like, you, they they can't what we saw still happened, okay? It didn't, according to Major League Baseball, like, nah, never happened, not a thing. But I watched it with my own eyes. And also, though, too,
1: think about it. Like, everyone always jokes about, like, they were saying at the end of the COVID year, right, in hockey that whoever wins the Stanley Cup, they're going to put an asterisk by their name because of the fact that, you know, the way of the season. That That is a possibility. They could have given him a no-hitter and then put an asterisk by it of, like, only pitched seven innings, but still given it to him. It's not like they don't put in um, put in there like a stat that has uh, a stipulation upon it because there's so many different fucking stats out there. And and believe me, I worked in baseball for a few years, and there are so many little itty bitty stats. There is a big machine that analyzes every single fucking thing on that field. And that's how they find out, you know, how far the ball is gone, all of that stuff. And they can cut down to the nittiest, grittiest of everything that goes on in that field. And so if they have all those stats, in order to have all those stats, they have to have, um, you know, little stipulations here and there according to whatever it is. So I don't understand why you can't give him the no hitter with a little asterisk next to it. But in the same token, if you didn't allow him to pitch those last two innings, can you take that away from someone? That's not something where, and it wasn't, you know, a where it got rained out or anything like that. It was, that was outside of, um, you know, the MLB's control. It was, Completely in the MLB's control the entire time, so I don't know. I think it's extremely dumb for so many different reasons.
0: Yeah, and uh, I wonder if if there's backlash to this if they retroactively go back and change it because they do that. Major League Baseball is they do that even though it doesn't get attention. They go back and they change stats all the time, and they they change things all. In fact, they there was a big story earlier this year where Major League Baseball officially is going to add in the Negro League record books as part of Major League Baseball. So we could see Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or these players who played in both leagues, their numbers change and their stats change. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they go back and they changed it and they they retroactively gave Madison Bumgarner a no-hitter if there's enough backlash to it. Because I saw a lot of people today say the same thing which is like we all saw it it's a no hitter just like i was just saying right there and then there were the old school old white dudes in the major league baseball like sorry he didn't pitch nine innings that's not really a no hitter because he didn't pitch the full nine innings and that's not fair to the guys who did pitch nine innings which just oh my gosh anyway thank you well, for-
1: and like but like i said though the way that it is in baseball there's all so many fucking stats That if it was to come out, say, like, oh, that he broke, like, a record of no hitters or whatever, they would have underneath it, one of them was only seven innings. They have that shit all the time. Like, I don't know what world that these people that who are against him getting it are living in because it's not like they don't say that shit all of the time it's so common for them to add little stipulations to stats and so i don't get why this one is like such a big fucking deal just give it to him with the stipulation it's not like it has been done before
0: yeah i i i agree and for the record too, zach gallon who pitched the first game in the doubleheader almost did the same exact thing he pitched into the sixth inning uh, and not giving up a hit, he, he ended up complete, uh finishing the game with with a shutout and only giving up one hit. So combined, the Diamondbacks gave up only one hit across fourteen innings, and in shutting out the Atlanta Braves twelve to nothing on Sunday. So good work, Diamondbacks! I and mean, at least we have a one team in this um, one team in this Valley of the Sun outside of the well, I guess. The Suns are good. The Diamondbacks are starting to play better. Coyotes won on Saturday. So things are things are coming up good, at least somewhat recently, for local sports.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see for once. Uh, I think we've always conditioned ourselves for disappointment, so it's nice to see um, our teams doing good for once. And it's nice to see the Diamondbacks having solid pitching for once as well. That um, – that was something that everyone kind of thought when, um, Granky came in that, you know, that there would be some stability between him and, and Shelby Miller in that season. Um, you know, everyone kind of thought that that would be it. And it completely went south after that Shelby Miller ended up getting a divorce and was not really pitching according to what they had hoped he had. Granky had a hard time adjusting to, um, the pitching staff here in Arizona so it just all kind of went south on in in like the season that was supposed to be the season of pitching and it just had like it hasn't been really solid from them since obviously there was a season where a great um, run was made And um, they were obviously beat um, by the Dodgers because um, Richie and I were at that game. But uh, outside of that, their pitching has just not been very good for a while now. So it's nice to see some type of solid pitching out of them.
0: I agree, especially for Madison Bumgarner, who was absolute just a a mess to start the season he's now had two good starts now two good starts in a row for him which is very very important for this diamondbacks team if they want to try and contend for a playoff spot this year which i don't remember if major league baseball is doing i i think they still have two wild cards this year I, i i think right i'm i'm not sure i don't know anyway Um, I have not looked into it quite yet. Neither neither have I. It's a long season, everybody. If we're talking about playoffs in April for major league baseball during a 162 game season, we're, uh, we're, we're getting out on a limb. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. And that's what, like, believe me when I say baseball season is a long haul. So what you could be hearing now could be completely different in, in a month, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where there's so many baseball games in a season, like you said, 162, that it's not like hockey where who that has, you know, like half the games of baseball where um, one stretch of games can be a big deal in a season as opposed to baseball where you could lose an entire homestand or entire oh, – Entire trip away and it really would not make a big difference in the grand scheme of things it'll just be one part of the season that no one even really remembers it's it's a such a long haul of a sport
0: yeah yeah exactly so um anyway thank you for indulging me sport nation in my rant against major league baseball on their show that is indeed a hockey show which we will get into now and the Coyotes coming off a big win against the Kings on Saturday night. Four-nothing shutout as the Coyotes are back into a playoff spot for the time being. They are one point ahead of St. Louis, with St. Louis having three games in hand over the Coyotes. So the that um again the odds are not really in favor of the Coyotes right now, unless St. Louis completely craps the bat against against some of their tougher opponents because they still have game, a lot of games left against Minnesota, against Colorado, and Vegas, as we've previously talked about. However, St. Louis did come back from two goals down on Saturday afternoon and beat Colorado 5-3, to three, including a hat trick from Ryan O'Reilly that kind of gave them a nice little boost um, there. So, back to this Coyotes-Kings game. And won't spend too much time on it, um, but... The important thing here is that it was kind of really one of the Coyotes' best all-around 60-minute performances of the season because they got the shutout from Darcy Kemper. They got up to a start where they were out shooting the Kings you know, 12-6 after the first period. They outshot them 16-9 in the second period. Um, Darcy Kemper wasn't really tested in this game. The defense was very, very solid. And then they got scoring up and down their lineup from their bottom six in John Hayden and Lawson Kraus. John Hayden is first as a Coyote. And then they got scoring from the top of their lineup in Phil Kessel and Jacob and So, an all-around good victory for the Coyotes. A, a, a win that they needed to get as they are going to have to really probably win damn near 80% of the games down here in the stretches. There's only eight games left. They need to really win six or seven of them to really even have a chance at the playoffs. So, um uh, you, you were able to catch the highlights of the game Corey. what um what did you make of, of what you were able to see uh
1: yeah i mean i i watched uh i watched the condensed game it was funny i actually had a, a conversation with scotty about this and the fact that he was asking why i watched the condensed game instead of the highlights and i and i said mostly because of the fact that i can't in the highlights always see exactly certain things of what like their offensive zone time, their defensive zone time, and and kind of how they how they enter the zone, some of their neutral zone play, like certain things that I like to nitpick at when I'm watching the game. Um, I can't always see on just the highlights, so I, I watch the condensed game part of it. They have both of them, both the options on NHL. I just I thought that was an interesting little tidbit um, when I was watching that uh, that I didn't feel like we'd ever really talked about, but um, from what, from what I was watching of it, it was, it was a nice performance by the Coyotes like all around. And it was a great solid team effort, which is not something that we've seen as of late. Usually there's one, one half of, sometimes a third of the team that actually shows up for the night. And then the rest of them don't show up. Everyone actually showed up. Um, I think Talkit had even said something about that later in the press conference saying that, you know, it was nice to see a full team effort. Um, and after watching it, I literally said, texted Richie and just said, I wish we could play the Kings every night because that was what you would like to see out of the Coyotes. They were playing well. They were, um, They're getting people in front of the net. There was was a solid screen that was placed on one of the goals. Um, Phil Kessel was actually looking quite good. Um, That turnover that he had that that he took advantage of that led into that goal, um, which was a very solid shot on his part and uh, very stereotypical for him. But, yeah, if there's one thing that I could probably say is that everyone actually bought into this game and – that is not something that we've seen in a long time, and you are you have to wonder if that is a mental thing that they're able to hold on to and kind of slingshot them into these games coming up because they are playing two games against San Jose that they should be able to win. They're going to have a, a, a slight road bump there with, with the Knights, but then they're going to go back to the Kings and then San Jose again. These are all, except for the Knights, very winnable games and very good for them, um mentally as a team so they should be able to win these games and at least if this same um if they can keep up the same type of pace and the same type of attitude through San Jose San Jose and then they just really have to brush off the the Knights because of the fact that they can't allow themselves to get down and out about how they're playing again because of the fact that you are correct they are holding on to this position with the tiniest, tiniest of a grasp. And I know we've said it before, but you also have to wonder too, do you really want this last playoff position just to say that you made it into the playoffs or are you not particularly wanting it because of the, why will be waiting for them when they get there?
0: That's a great question. And I, Prior to the trade deadline, I was saying that I'd rather the Coyotes miss the playoffs and get back some draft capital to get rid of some of their other players. And unfortunately, they didn't make any trades at the trade deadline because Bill Armstrong, of course, was like, well, this team earned their shot at trying to make the playoffs. And unfortunately, they went on a roll there where they lost seven of eight games and they really hurt themselves in that area. But... Like for me, I, I want to see this team make the playoffs, right? I mean, I think making the playoffs for them is better than not at this point. Because if uh, some other user you might argue that it would be a good thing for them to miss the playoffs so they can get that chance at the lottery. But this year, it's like if they miss the lottery, you don't get the draft pick. So that's literally the worst thing in the world that's going to happen. Where you miss, you miss the playoffs, you miss the lottery, you don't have a draft pick, and then you go into an off season with a lot of question marks. But at least. If, even if you're going to get boat raced by Colorado, at least, damn it, you're going to have a Heater River Arena that's 50% capacity, right? And you're going to have a wide out back at Heather River Arena for the first time since 2012. Which, yeah, it was great that the Coyotes made the playoffs last year and they the five-game series against Colorado, but it was just felt different because it was we were all watching it in the middle of the afternoon on TV while they were playing up in Edmonton. So... I, I want to see playoff hockey back at Heater River Arena, hopefully with increased crowds as, as we continue to see that happen across the country as more and more people get their vaccines and and um, attendance increases a little bit. Right now they're just below 50% capacity, so I want to see crowds. I want to see full 8,000-plus people at Heater River Arena in a wideout back again That because I, I miss it.
1: I totally agree with you. I would like to see this team going into playoffs. And and I would love to see, and I am the same way, I, I really do miss seeing the wide out and really having the fans there for playoffs. But there's actually an an alternate reason that I would really like to see this team make the playoffs. And it is to bump up the price on certain players on this team um, by getting into the playoffs. They may not play spectacularly because it's for ta- spectacularly I can't speak tonight um, against uh, the Avalanche I don't expect them to but it at least gives them more of a national look and allows for teams to really be able to see um, some of these players in action because a lot of times being a west coast team you you don't really get the same looks it was kind of a conversation I was having earlier today about uh, Chickering and the fact that you know, I believe now he is the uh, defenseman with the most goals in the league this season. Correct?
0: Fourteen goals is makes him the leader among National Hockey League defensemen in goal score.
1: There you go. And I still feel like he is kind of flying under the radar a bit because of the fact that he plays for the Coyotes. He's on a West Coast team. And a lot of times they don't really get noticed that largely, but if you were to put these players on a, on a national scale and the fact that they are in a playoff race, that is when people start to pay more attention. And that is when you can use that time to bump up individual players prices and it could benefit them in the long run, considering the fact that I don't think they will do well as, as a team, but you might be able to get some, uh, breakout people individually in that series
0: that's actually a, an interesting point because I, I think you're 100 correct it then kind of becomes a little bit of a national stage showcase for some of those players who are could be on the move for that might be up for trades and whatnot oh, of Rec malarsson
1: <laughs> damn right
0: and, and it, yeah go ahead me.
1: Maybe too, if he goes through all of this and he gets to have another playoff round with the Coyotes, maybe that can be his final like playoff time with the Coyotes. He can he really just kind of let it go, you know, like the, uh, like the song says from Frozen. He really just needs to let it all go and allow for more teams to try and, and pick him up, you know. So if he can allow that, and then maybe people will see him, want him, think, oh, I may need him, and then shimamooze him to be able to move to their city. So please let it be no shitty places.
0: <laughs> and again, Oliver Rekham has the... Um, no move clause, so he can pick which teams he wants to be traded to. So that's obviously a big kind of um, gum in the cog of the wheel of, of the Coyotes' trade plans in the offseason. Um, but we put out a poll, Corey, on our Twitter page at Corey underscore Radio Show after the game on Saturday asking about – because the Jacob Chickering and the Phil Kessel goals there in the third period were sexy. They were super sweet. And so I was like, all right. We need to have a competition. Which goal was sexier? The Jacob Chikrin on the power play that looked like he was in the harder shot competition at the NHL All-Star Game, or the Phil Kessel kind of partial breakaway where he went top shelf on the opposite corner. And on our poll, 71% of people say Jacob Chikrin's power play goal, and I agree with them.
1: Yeah, I I agree with them too. I quite liked – Phil Kessel's, but it was also very typical Phil Kessel, um, and I feel like on Jacob Chikrin, it's really kind of just been classic for him in the fact that that not not in the fact that you're like expecting it from him, but it's classic that you appreciate each of his goals as you as he scores them because they just keep on getting better and better. I feel like as we go along through the season.
0: Yeah, it's uh. I- I, I just am continuously impressed to like Jacob Chickering's shot. Like it's just it's just becoming elite. Like he's the guy you want shooting the puck at all times. And I mentioned this before, which is what Oliver Eckman Larson used to be. He used to be the guy that was taking those kind of shots and scoring. You know, many years ago when he had that twenty plus goal season, he was doing making those kinds of shots and unfortunately that has since gone way, way awry for for Oliver ekman but yeah, I agree. I think it was Jacob Shikran all the way on our poll. You can vote on that, um, I believe, until the end of Monday, if I'm not mistaken, when the poll's still up. So, all right, let's uh, wrap up the show here, Corey, with a look ahead to what's coming up for not only the Coyotes, but the St. Louis Blues, too. So, as you mentioned, a couple of games against San Jose coming up tonight on the road for the first time this season in San Jose. And then, again, on mon- on Wednesday against the Sharks, and then, of course, back at home against the Vegas Golden Knights for the Coyotes this week. Whereas the St. Louis Blues have games against, again, two of the best teams in the Western Conference this year. They have two ga- or excuse me, three games against the Minnesota Wild and another game against the Colorado Avalanche this week. As the Blues again have three more games on their schedule remaining than the Coyotes do. So, um, the and it's interesting. I was, you know, the Blues only have 2 games against the Ducks and 1 game against the Kings remaining, and they have 11 games remaining on their schedule as opposed to the Cowboys 8. So it's a it's a tough schedule for the Blues, which we've already previously talked about. So, who knows? Maybe the Blues will just continuously crap the bed because still even as though they are seemingly the favorites to make get that spot, they still only have about a 50% chance, according to MoneyPuck.com, whereas the Coyotes have the 38.5% chance. So it's still very much in flux, and really at this point, it's up to the Saint Louis Blues whether or not they want to make the playoffs, because they're in a very similar situation to who the, what the Coyotes were in, I'd say, two years ago when the Coyotes were the team. with 10 games ago that had the playoff spot. They had a somewhat easy schedule. All they had to do was, you know, beat some of the beat the New York teams beat LA at home and they just, and they didn't do it and they just fell apart. And we know the blues haven't really been all that consistent this year. So who knows? There's still hope in the Valley of the sun that we might see playoff hockey.
1: It's, I have seen stranger things. So I definitely think it's a possibility. You never really know. Um, especially when it comes to the blues and the coyotes, way too similar of teams. Um, both of them could just completely crap the to bed tomorrow for all we know, you know, it's there. Neither of them are teams that you can consistently say, this is what's going to happen with them. And, uh, you know, we, every team kind of ended up to being in, in the positions that we thought they would be in. Um, the Kings did a little bit better than we thought they would. Um, the blues did a little bit worse than we thought they would. And the, the, Wild definitely did much better than we thought they would. But the one thing that always ends up being very consistent is the fact that the Blues and the Coyotes seem to be in these these same situations because they have the same inconsistencies all the time. So who knows? But uh, it'll be a fun last stretch. And I guess, if anything, that it will create some excitement.
0: Yep, I agree. It's gonna be exciting and stressful at the exact same time for both Blues fans and Crowdies fans too. So do you have any last words before we go?
1: Uh no, other than the fact that I'm glad that you brought up about the no header. Because I, I felt like that needed to be spoken by someone even though this even if it was on a hockey podcast.
0: I agree. So thank you. Thank you for letting me rant about that. I'm glad I got to do it. And uh with that, anyway, sporty nation. We will be back with a couple bonus episodes over the next couple days. Stay tuned for that. We also have our regular episode coming up on Thursday, too. Enjoy the hockey tonight and on Wednesday night. Go uh, Avalanche and go wild this week. You know, we, we are big fans of them this week, and we normally aren't, but um, big fans now. And uh, And, yeah, good night and good hockey, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.